How's it going, everybody? And welcome to another Wednesday edition of the 30-Minute Misconduct Podcast. I am Taylor Raglan. Billy Leroy is over there. I'm staring at him on Skype. <laughs> how we how we do these in his fancy new apartment uh, that he's so proud of. But uh, we are here with uh, our only episode of this week. Uh, as we mentioned on last week's episode, Billy will be uh, out of town for the New York trip. He'll be along with the Stars, actually catching a game, a, a Devils game, too, when you get in on Saturday, I heard. But um, so you'll be you'll be taking in three hockey games, but uh, in any case, we likely will not have an episode on Sunday. So this will be our only episode um, until next Wednesday when we'll come back and and we'll have the trip to talk about some more games and and all that good stuff. So I figured uh, if that's all right with you, Billy, we'd just spend today uh, just having some conversation, man. Whatever comes to mind, let's just riff a little bit on this uh, on this episode of the Thirty Minute Misconduct Podcast. I thought you were going to venture into the solo podcast on Sunday. Are you a little scared? No, I'm not scared. I've I've done similar things before. I actually have to do. I I feel like I've mentioned this on this podcast before, but I have to do that every week with high school football. Like I just literally I I go watch the game, and then um you know when I get back in my truck after interviewing the coaches and and players and all that good stuff, I literally sit down and do like a seven to ten minute podcast just talking to the inside of my truck about the game and what happened and what I make of it and and all that good stuff before I actually go you know, write my story and go back to the office and do the papers and stuff. So, you know, I'm not opposed to a solo podcast. We'll see if the mood strikes me on Sunday, but um, just uh, just prepare out there for maybe a lack of, of Taylor and Billy this weekend. As bad as Monday's game was, today was a great day for in the life of Billy Leroy, I will say. As far as my road trips go, you mentioned that I'm going to be going to the Devils game on Saturday. When all hope was lost... They told me that I can't bring my suitcase in. I was talking to the customer service people today, and they're doing me a huge favor. The lady gave me her name in case I have any trouble. So we will be going to the Red Wings-Devils game on Saturday. Fired up about that. Going to get to see all three New York area arenas besides Philadelphia, which is only like an hour and a half away. Yeah. I wouldn't call that New York area, but it's all having lived in Boston now and lived up there. It's all it's all pretty close. We used to we used to drive to New York. It's only like, you know, three hours or so from Boston, too. So, yeah, it's awesome how they literally have four, I guess, four or five NHL teams within an easy drive. And we have the closest team to here is Nashville, which is nine hours away. They have I mean, if you just drop the state of Texas over like. Boston or Philadelphia I mean it'd be interesting to see like just put that on a map and see how many how many NHL teams you can fit with inside the the state of Texas I bet it's a significant number I mean you get up there and and I bet you could place it and catch five or six teams depending on where you put it it's it's a it's an interesting way of living we really enjoyed it when we were up there because I mean we ended up driving I only went to Bruins games I mean I never really ventured out to uh, New York trips like you did as far as just hockey related we were doing other stuff but it is nice to be able to literally drive like the distance from Dallas to Austin and be in a completely different metropolitan area um, in a different state it's it's strange especially for people that have you know been in Texas their whole life and vice versa people up there have no idea how big Texas is that's like the one thing it's so hard to express to people that you can drive like 12 or 13 hours in our state and still be in our state. Like people think that is the most insane concept like they've ever heard in their life. They're like, how is that even possible? We had family during it. Was it Hurricane Harvey that was in Houston? The big flood hurricane. 
when that was going on, we had family from Rhode Island and New Hampshire calling us, making sure that we're okay here in Dallas, thinking that it's like right down the street. It's right down the street. <laughs> Is your house flooding? <laughs> <laughs> like, no, that's like four and a half hours away from us. Man, that's uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting. And the other thing that's interesting is there are definitely people just like we probably believe about you know before I moved up there about Bostonians or about New Yorkers or um whatever people from Philadelphia is it Philadelphian? I don't know, but whatever whatever people from Philadelphia are called, you have stereotypes for every city. You know the the Boston is the the accent and and the rudeness and the New York is the forget about it and it's all this this kind of like cartoony stereotypes but you don't really realize that people still have those about Texas people legitimately like still ask questions about like horses and like farms and not that that doesn't exist but at the same time it's like if you went to Dallas it's kind of just like everywhere else it's not like we're all just we all just have horses and goats in our backyards and we're 10 gallon hats everywhere we go and boots and you know my argument held up for a while but then like i would wear my boots around because i do own boots and they're like i knew it i knew it (laughs) (laughs) oh the media doesn't help at all the the fake news media they don't help because like whenever you got a sunday night football game on nbc they're showing video of you know the stockyards and horses and cattle going by that doesn't help our image at all yeah, that's what, were you listening to the ticket? I heard Corby and, and Mike on the hard line talking about that and, and how, like, you know, that's, it's not representative of Texas. Um, and, and a lot of that is, you know, just because some of the stuff we have that's cool is, is a little bit more hidden and not just so overtly Texas, I guess. Because, you know, when, when you're doing a game in Texas, maybe you just really want to, um, I don't know, have people immediately identify what you're going for. So you throw the, the longhorns up or whatever, but... You know, it, they brought up a funny point, and it's something I've thought about, too. Like, what if we just did that for every city? Like, they said, like, like for Philadelphia, like, instead of all the awesome history and stuff, which is certainly a part of Philadelphia, but, like, what about just a, a fat dude with a big old like, cheesesteak <laughs> covered in cheese whiz? And New York, it's, like, some dude pulling a hot dog out of those damn hot dog carts they have on the street corner, that gross hot dog water. It's just, like, there's there's... There's different parts of society, I guess, in every state, and somehow we just uh, somehow I feel like we're always just going to be labeled the cowboys. So is, I is wonder what people, as... I wonder what people think when they're like an outside NHL fan coming into Dallas and they're picturing horses and cattle, and then they walk through Victory Park, and it's all just brand new skyscrapers <laughs> yeah. and fancy places. I will say it's a little different just because like. The the concept of like I I told people in Boston that I've had a car since I was sixteen and they acted like it was the biggest like humble brag they'd ever heard in their life like oh he had a car when he was I was like no you don't understand like you have to like you cannot go anywhere <laughs> in in our state without a vehicle it's not like you know we we all do it just because we want one it's literally like hey you can't go anywhere or do anything without a car because everything's so spread out and and it's a little better in downtown um than it used to be but even downtown is is kind of like different separated neighborhoods they're all really cool deep ellum's really cool and uptown and midtown and victory park and and it's all great but at the same time it's like i'm not walking around that like you are in boston or new york or or other cities so i'm sure it's it's a little of both because you know people in places like that they're not used to the space, I think was one thing I always heard. Like, 
you know, if people had come to Texas, it was like, I wasn't prepared for just the open space, you know, as, as modern as Dallas is and stuff, we still have kind of more space than we know what to do with in a lot of cases. And it's not so cramped and it's, it's, uh, definitely something that strikes people, but who knows, man. But yeah, I guess we're just, uh, we're just the state of, of steers. At least we're not going to have to wait long for NHL hockey in Houston. When my buddy Tillman Fertitta brings an NHL team to Houston, then we'll only have like a four or five hour drive to see the stars play in Houston. Man, I would not make that drive. Uh, if, uh, they were going to play like they did on Monday, (laughs) I know we're going to get into that in a little bit, but um, you know, all, all joking aside, I, I do, you know, as, as somebody that, that appreciates Houston a lot, I don't know if I've, if I talked about my Astros fandom on this podcast, am I about to turn off all our listeners by admitting that I'm an Astros fan? You probably mentioned it, but people aren't going to understand. So you might, you might want to <laughs> clarify. I think I've, I think I've definitely mentioned that I'm a Titans fan because my dad grew up in Houston, in the Houston area. And he was an. I definitely mentioned that because I, I shout out or I shouted out the Titans uh, on Sunday's episode for the win over the Patriots. Um, but yeah, same logic basically. My dad grew up in Houston, was a huge Titans Astros fan. Everything Houston or Titans Oilers at the time became the Titans, but but also a huge Astros fan growing up and all that good stuff. So you know when um, you know even though I've lived in Dallas my entire life, I was. Uh, Born and raised a, an Astros fan, and it was a little different, you know, back when they were in separate leagues. It was a little bit more tolerable. Um, Juan Gonzalez, uh, a Rangers, uh, Juan Gonzalez was one of my favorite players growing up. Um, I used to like going to the ballpark when I was little, just because it was what was available, and there wasn't like a, I mean, you're a kid, one, you don't really care, and two, there wasn't a, a division rivalry like there is now, but man, ever since like... I'll avoid saying too much for all those Ranger fans uh, out there listening, but uh, let's just say they're not my favorite Major League Baseball club. But that's okay. I know you guys feel that way about the Astros, too. I know you guys hate uh, pretty much everything to do with Houston, but uh, I guess we can end this conversation with uh, me just looking down at my my Astros replica World Series ring um, and my pictures from the parade. No, I wish I was. It's on my desk at work, though. I stare at it every day and think about it. There's probably not too many Rangers fans on here that are upset right now because a lot of Rangers fans probably are jumping ship right now because we think we have it bad here in Dallas with the Stars, but my God, those poor Rangers fans, they've yeah. got it rough. It's its going to be rough until you guys get the air-conditioned stadium. Let me just say, as an Astros fan, it changes your life. I witnessed seasons, I witnessed 51 and 111. But it's still fun going to games and sitting in 72 and watching a little baseball. <laughs> it's it's a lot different than sitting in 115 and sweating your ass off and watching terrible baseball. That really makes it not worth it. It's a dream come true. You've got those people out there that are like, oh, man, if you, you can't handle 115 degrees, you're, just, you're too weak. But that's just ridiculous. Nobody should have to put up with 115 degrees to go watch a baseball game. Why would you pay for that? Well, the I players hate it wait. too. You know they do. If I was a player for the Rangers, like yeah, I'm making a bunch of money and and it's fun and night games are a little better, but you know they're just like so whipped in the middle of August, like when they got to roll out to the ballpark in Arlington and just just die in, with of heat stroke when it's 120 heat index and they got to play the Orioles and they're both bad and like you know they hate that. I mean, it's a game, and you enjoy playing it, and it's a privilege, and all the things they always say, but, man, 
162 games. You got to play 81 of them at home, and and a majority of those during the summer are unbearable. That's rough. They're going to be, whether they admit it or not, players going to be uh, players going to be stoked too. I think it's going to work for ticket sales because you look at a casual fan like me who only went to two games last season because I just don't really care that much anymore. No matter how bad this team is, when they're playing indoors in 2020, I am going to a considerable number of games just because watching baseball indoors is a gift. It's amazing. Well, and you're afraid of the sun. I'm afraid of the sun. It helps out pale people like me. I had never experienced baseball indoors until I went to a Miami Marlins game a few years ago, and that changed my life. Even there, it was a little bit humid, but still, and watching baseball inside, you can't beat that. Well, anyway, uh, I don't know when we morphed into a Texas Rangers, Houston Astros baseball MLB podcast. <laughs> we'll be the uh, the nine inning ejection or something next. Who knows? That's when but... you know things are going bad in Star Wars world. When we're talking about baseball. <laughs> well, it's not even it's not even going bad, man. It's just a a down week too. It's it's always it's one of those weird scenarios where like. You know, had had Monday's game been part of like two games in three days or three games in four days, everybody just gets to move on. But after a, a stinker, awful, boring game like that, I mean, we were talking about before the podcast just how boring that game was. And it was just, just regardless of the product on the ice, the pure entertainment value was so low. Um, ex- except for one moment, I guess I'll say. Well, you know, the Radulov goal and, and the Hudobin save were also highlights, but but the moment I'm thinking of is is one that it, it caused some disagreement, even between me and my ticket leader on, on Twitter. I don't know if you saw that. Um, Bob Sturm uh, from the ticket and I tweeted back at each other, um, you know, once or twice about the Jamie Benn fight and and kind of the the... The different opinions, I guess, on on a guy like him having to fight in today's NHL, and and it's a, it's a it's a weird scenario for Ben, because on one hand he's the captain, and I feel like he feels like that's his role, you know, to stick up for his teammates and to be that leader, and and fighting's it's not like he's just picking that up because he's the captain. It's always been a part of his game. He's always been a physical guy, um, and and hasn't been afraid to fight. I mean, there's been some some truly memorable tilts in in Jamie Benn's career with a Ginla and you know you go down the list so it's not like it's it's not like it's something that he's never done um but for me you know the fight Monday was a bad one and and I'll I'll tell you why it's because it was a scoreless game and regardless of you know the the to play devil's advocate and and the other side Sturm's side is you know, a guy takes a run at a rookie like Haskinen, a star rookie like Haskinen, new to the league, you know, fitting into the team and the league and figuring it out and getting his legs underneath him, then he deserves to pay for that. And and I, I don't disagree. You know, I, I think that's where sometimes people get, they feel like just because I think one fight was bad that I disagree with the concept of sticking up for, for your teammates. I don't. I think that the idea that Jamie wants to stick up for for Haskinen and 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 fight the guy that took a run at him is great. You know that's it's part of it. And if Jamie really felt like like that was the moment that he had to do it, then I'll bow to his judgment as the NHL, you know, the professional hockey player and the captain of the team. As I'm up in you know section three twenty drinking my beer and and watching him do it, I'll, uh, it's fine. If that's something he felt like he had to do, then then fine. And I I certainly understand that side of the argument, but. At the same time, I think it was just, 
it was just such poor timing. It was just the the wrong moment because scoreless game, you know, early in the game, um, you know, and and the disparity between Jamie Ben and the guy he fought is is tremendous. It's a huge gap. And and I think the thing I literally tweeted is that like uh Anderson I think is his name, right? I don't even know his I don't even know his name. I think that it's Anderson. That just proves but, the point. But but the point is as soon as he got Jamie Ben baited into that staged first period scoreless game fight, he won. It didn't matter. He could take 17 punches to the head and not land one, but he gets to skate off to the penalty box and take Jamie Ben with him. And the Stars go on a power play after that and miss out on Jamie Ben. And and I'm not saying, I mean, the power play was abysmal all night, so who knows if they even score on that power play. But you certainly have a better shot with Jamie Ben on the ice than without, regardless of what it looks like. So for me, it's just like I, I understand the argument. I get the point of standing up for Haskinen. And, and 15 years ago, 10 years ago, hell, even when Roussel was here, we had a guy for that. You know what I mean? Like, we, we had a guy for that, and it didn't have to be Jamie Ben. It didn't have to be our captain, our star player signed here for a billion years, um, you know, one of our top offenses. It didn't have to be that. It, it was a it was a guy that understood that he was on the bench and somebody took a run at your uh, your young guy or your skilled forward and the coach taps you on the shoulder and says, All right, you know, go take your shift. You know what <laughs> you know what I mean by that and, and it was settled. And I just I, I don't think I like the timing of that fight as entertaining as it was. And, and as I think Jamie won it. I think he's a great fighter. Um, but I just overall, I just thought the timing was wrong. Uh, the pairing was wrong. The card, if you will. Um, and, and it took a guy off the ice in a scoreless, low energy hockey game that that has a huge impact for the stars. It was really random and it came out of nowhere. I wasn't even sure what was happening at first. I was like, well, what's going on? These guys are... But it was one of those entertaining fights from a fan perspective, at least. One of they drop their gloves and they're dancing around and they're getting ready for each other. So at least that was kind of cool. But I made my opinion very clear after his fight in New Jersey. And even in that case, it made a little more sense than this one because that was already, what, 3 nothing. Three to one or something like that. Something like that, yeah. And the, and the game was pretty much over at that point. But now you've got a whole game of hockey ahead of you, and you do something like that. And you mentioned how the Stars had a power play right after that that he could have been out there for, maybe possibly score, and it changes the outcome of the game. But in twenty eighteen, that kind of stuff is unnecessary. They, you said Roussel, but they still have guys out there. They could have had Polak fight. Could have. I mean, was Richie playing on Monday? I don't even remember. Yeah. He uh-huh. could have fought. Obviously, he had a good fight in preseason. He could have fought, right? He had a good fight in preseason, I think. I think so. I mean, so, I, I think the I think that Jamie feels like as captain, that's part of his role. And like I said, it's 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 a weird scenario for him because it's not like if you hand the captaincy to Tyler Sagan that he's going to become a fighter. Like that's you know what I mean. Like it's a weird scenario because Jamie Ben's already that kind of player. Like he's already a guy that's not afraid to fight, and and there are times that that I appreciate him fighting, especially when you know some of Jamie's best fights and some of I mean I think the best fights in the NHL and why fighting is is still a thing and still a part of the game is because there's times where people are genuinely upset, <laughs> like genuinely pissed off at one another, and and it's a close game and it's tense or or one team's getting blown out and embarrassed and and you want to send it like. There's there's spur of the moment fights and then the, to me this felt like 
here's my token baseball analogy of the day. It felt like when, say, the Astros and Rangers play a series in July, right? And um, I know Cole Hamels isn't there anymore, but just pretend like it would have been this season, whatever. So Cole Hamels on the mound for the Rangers, hits Jose Altuve. Bench is clear. Everybody's pissed off. Everybody's talking about it. It it it, it kind of fades into the background after the game. Um, you know, that's the getaway day, and they don't play each other again until mid-August. And then they get together again, and the first time that they get an opportunity to hit somebody on the Rangers, they do. And it, it, it feels like that. It feels kind of – and I even, as somebody that loves baseball and, and the traditional aspects of baseball, I think that's silly. You know, it's, it's in a very similar vein to me. It's in a very similar um, – line of thinking like it's it's archaic a little bit it's uh it's unnecessary and and the Jamie Ben fight Monday kind of felt that way you know it was in response to something that happened at another time and it it kind of just felt forced uh and staged and and like you said I think unnecessary and what did it do it accomplished nothing clearly and then but the rest of the game, it was very physical. These kids, these teams hate each other for some reason. They were going back and forth every whistle. Even yeah. Bishop was getting in there throwing some punches. I was talking to Kaylin, my girlfriend. I I took her to the game with me Monday because, um, you know we don't we don't get to go often. So you know we. Wait, like to right. go I, I, I just said Bishop was throwing punches, but that was Saturday against Nashville because yeah. Hudobin was in on Monday. That was a stupid. Hudobin probably do it too though. He's he's scrappy too. I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him in a uh, in a little tilt uh, sometime, but but yeah, to your point, I was I was sitting and talking to Kalen, and I literally said like, this feels like one of those rivalries that just comes about for no reason. Like this team, these teams have no reason to to really not like each other. Well, I they mean, just played like, each other a week or two ago. Well, no, I know, and I know that breeds some of that stuff, but it, it feels like one of those cases where this could develop into something. For no reason, because a rivalry with a team like Winnipeg or Nashville or or Chicago, even all of that makes a ton of sense. You see them so many times during the course of a season. You know they have a direct impact on your your playoff potential and your seed and all that sort of thing. Um, you know they're they're division opponents. That all makes sense. But then you look at a team like Columbus and and stuff like this starts to bubble up and it continues like. I don't know if we see Columbus again this season. I haven't looked at the entire schedule because sometimes it's weird. You only see you know teams a couple of times, but this is the kind of thing that can carry over, and it's just one of those weird hockey rivalries. I feel like, or it could be that that just crops up out of nowhere. They come up all the time, and and I like them, but it's it's just strange sometimes the teams that that choose to despise each other. But my goodness, that game was one of the worst performances I have ever seen from this team. Not bad as far as getting blown out or defense got just annihilated by the other team, but just doing nothing offensively. No murmurs of life whatsoever. And you look at the terrible passing. They could not connect on passes. They had no offensive zone pressure. It was always one and done or zero and done. They could not keep the puck in the zone and establish any sort of pressure. And the power play was abysmal. People said it was without Klingberg. I don't know if that's the only thing missing. But they couldn't accomplish anything at all on the power play. They couldn't even get started on the power play. And then I saw people saying that Bobrovsky struck the Stars again because he's got this incredible record against the Stars. But he didn't do anything. The Stars just didn't show up. And it was another one of those games that we've seen recently where 
going into the third period, late in the third period, their shot total was still in the teens, like 18 shots with 12 minutes left. And yeah. we've been seeing that now. This is lost number four out of five. So we're starting to see this trend of low offensive output. And my, uh, my quick trigger is starting to get activated again. Well, like I said, I think I said it toward the top of, of this episode. It's, it's one of those losses where you wish they had a game. You know, maybe not a back-to-back, but but within two days or so to to go out and, and kind of right the ship and, and erase things. Because, you know, you see it in the NFL all the time because you got six days on average between all of your games. So the, the highs are high and the lows are low because you have so much time to analyze and think and the world is ending or we're on top of the world and we're winning the Super Bowl. You know, in a sport like hockey – it's a little bit of a middle ground because baseball, obviously you're moving on the next day, like 90% of the time. But, you know, in hockey, it's it's a little bit the same way usually. So sometimes these long breaks can kind of engender some of those feelings because you just get to sit and think about it and stew on it. But, you know, I, I'm not going to be concerned unless this really continues. You know, I'd like to see how they come out. They've been really good at home. I'd like to see how they come out Friday and, and try to figure some of that out. Um but going back, I think the power play is an interesting conversation just because, you know, it, it, there's something to be said for both arguments. You know, on one side, Klingberg goes down and, yeah, he's he's the quarterback of your first power play. But you still have Sagan, Radulov, Ben, Spezza, Haskinen. Like, there's still talent. It's not like, you know, Klingberg was, was dragging four lifeless bodies around with him on the power play. So there's something to be said for the fact that it it still shouldn't be awful just because of the talent that you can throw out there, especially in the first unit. But then there's also something to be said for the fact that, you know, he does quarterback the first unit and it's like a, it's like a starting pitcher. You know, it's, it's when you talk about a starting pitcher and, and losing them to injury or whatever, you know, he only goes one out of every four or five days, but he changes the dynamic of everything. You know, he changes everybody else's roles and, and, you know, it's a bigger deal than just missing a start every four or five days. And with Klingberg, it's kind of that way too, it feels like. Because, you know, he quarterbacks the first power play unit, so that means Haskinen or, or whoever can quarterback the second one. And, and the personnel can be split up differently. And there's familiarity, and, and people have to take on increased roles. You're asking a teenager to go in there and run the first power play for a month. It's 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 a trickle-down effect, I feel like, that that they'll have to solve one way or another because, you know, he's not getting any better any faster you know, just on... on uh, hopes and hopes and wishes and prayers. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see, but, uh, before we wrap this episode, I know you also want to talk a little bit about, uh, about the big trip, man. I thought we'd get into this a little sooner, but, uh, one of your favorite experiences I know from, from having known you a decade now is, is going on the road, uh, with the team and, and, um, you know, getting out there and seeing other stadiums or, or arenas, I guess you should say in hockey, but, um, you know, like you said, you're getting to see all three, maybe not with the stars in all three, but, but making the New York rounds and, and seeing all the teams. So, uh, how are you feeling, sir? Heading into the, uh, end of the big weekend. I'm excited. I'm a little nervous about the flight cause I'm still afraid of flying. No matter how many flights I go on, I still get nervous about flying. And I have, this is my first stars road trip since January of 2017 when I came back from the LA Anaheim trip with a win in my pocket, my first regulation win. So I'm on a hot streak right now going into New York. We get in on Saturday and we head straight from the Newark airport to the rock Prudential center to see the Red Wings play the devils. 
And there's so many things on deck for this weekend. You've got the two Stars games, of course. They play the Islanders in Brooklyn on Sunday afternoon, a matinee affair. And then Monday night is in Manhattan against the Rangers at the world's most famous arena. That never gets old. Going to MSG, Madison Square Garden, the world's most famous arena. That's always fun. And then I think we're going to tour Yankee Stadium, too. I've never seen Yankee Stadium in all my trips to New York, so that might be fun. And then the Rockefeller Christmas tree will be up, but it won't be lit. Interesting. It will not be lit. It'll be lit. I'm going to be lit. I'm going to be having a good time, but the Christmas tree will not be lit. Interesting. I want to get your opinion on, you know, it was a obviously a hot topic whenever it was whenever it was built with the seating and everything, but you know, that arena out in Brooklyn, man. You you've been there a couple times now. You've been on the Jumbotron, I believe, and the broadcast from there, if I'm not mistaken. Is that where the famous selfie happened? I was not on the Jumbotron. Or was and it just the broadcast? It was the broadcast. We were That's what it was. Right before puck drop, Graham was taking our selfie because we were seating we were seated in the retractable seating area that pushes up because of the basketball seats. Where you can't see the net below you? But I'll get to that in a second. But we were sitting there and there was nobody else in our section, so Graham took a selfie to so that way we could tweet and say that there's literally nobody in our section. And the broadcast captured they started off on the left side. They showed Graham with his phone up taking the selfie, and they panned to me, and I'm sitting there clapping and getting ready. A lot of people tweeted me that. That was a lot of fun. That was one of only two times I think I've been on TV during these road trips. And But you mentioned that Barclays Center is kind of one of those arenas now that people mock because the Jumbotron is off-center, and half the seating bowl has obstructed view because of the basketball seating arrangement. But... It creates the greatest seats in the NHL. We are seated on Sunday in the greatest seats that the NHL has to offer. We sat there when we were there in 2016. And the reason why it's so great is because unlike American Airlines Center, Barclays Center was strictly built for basketball. It wasn't built with the idea of being a conversion where they can push the seats back and have a great view for hockey like American Airlines Center. This was only built for basketball. So, the rink does not fit with the configuration. So on the visitor's shoot twice end, the seats are all pushed up. There's no seats by the glass besides a few rows of like bleacher seats almost. And But this front row, when the seats get pushed back, there's this front row that overhangs over the ice right there in the corner. And that's where we're sitting. You're, imagine at American Airlines Center, you have the Zamboni entrance. Yeah. And there's that row... It, at the very front of it, like up on top over the opening. If you imagine if you had that row and you pushed it twenty feet closer to be right on top of the glass. And that's what this is. It gives you an aerial view of the star shoot twice end. And technically it lists the seats as obstructed view, but it's only obstructed if you're like seated way back in your chair. If you lean forward you can see clearly over it. And the rows behind us can't see anything. But if you're in that front row, you can see everything. And so that's why I'm really excited to go back on Sunday because now we know that that's the the greatest vantage point you can have in hockey. Well, I'm excited for you. I wish I were going. Uh, One of these days I'm going to have to make a better road trip than just, oops, I accidentally live in Boston now, so I'll see them when they come play the Bruins. So uh, I guess with that, you know, uh, we're pretty much out of time here for this Wednesday episode. As we mentioned, uh, no episode on Sunday, more than likely. 
Uh, if I get a, a, a wild hair and, and get crazy and, and want to do a solo episode, I'll tweet that out or, or whatever. But uh, more than likely, don't expect an episode. Um, yeah, I need so everyone I guess... to cross their fingers and keep me in their thoughts and prayers and just hoping <laughs> that I'm going to come home. We got four points on the line. Hopefully, I'm going to come back with at least two. I thought you were going to say just for the flight, just to get you there. Well, the flight is scary, <laughs> and then you know, being in New York poses its own dangers and whatnot. But no, I uh, the only luck or prayers or hope that I'm asking for is that I can walk away with at least two points out of these two games. Yeah, we'll see if you can improve that uh, that two six and two record. So, uh, with that, Billy, I guess we'll wish you a bon voyage. We will see you on the other side. Um, I'm sure if you want to follow him at Billy Leroy. Um, L-E-R-O-Y on Twitter. I'm sure you'll be tweeting out uh, all sorts of uh, road trip goodness and photos and, and all that sort so of thing. So much great and, content. Yeah, so much hashtag content. And and we will be looking out. Maybe you'll make your second appearance on the uh, on the broadcast in, in Brooklyn. So we'll have to uh, stay tuned for that. But until then, uh, like I said, probably not an episode Sunday. So we will more than likely uh, talk to you guys again a week from today, next Wednesday, uh, which I believe will be the start of maybe some delayed uh, posting for Apple Podcasts, so um, if you if you get it through Apple Podcasts, maybe uh, try to find a different way um, for next week and and for around Christmas because they have that weird delayed schedule slowness that that uh, they said will will come about uh, around the holidays. Uh, but we'll see how all that works out. We'll try to keep you all appraised while that as well. So uh, with that, we'll sign off for today. We'll wish you luck, Billy. Come back with some points uh, for yourself and for the stars, uh, and we will talk to you guys again next Wednesday. Mm-hmm.